Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hi everyone, it's so lovely to see you all. Thank you very much for joining me for this lunchtime talk today. Uh, my name's Lee Robb, I'm the Curator of Contemporary Art and I'm very glad that we're all meeting here on Ghana land and I'd like to pay our respects and acknowledge um, connection to country and pay our respects to elders past, present and those emerging. So, I was just re reflecting, and again, there's going to be lots of puns around <laughs> doubles, reflections, mirrors, and things, hopefully, um, punctuating this whole talk. But um, I was just reflecting on the fact that this is the first time since March that I've given a public talk with real people in <laughs> real life. So, <laughs> it's <laughs> doubly satisfying to see you and to see you in person. So, thank you very much. Um, there's been a lot of podcasts and recorded talks, but this is really the first time to be in the space together with the artwork, so it's, it's a real pleasure. And it's wonderful that we're able to bring together this particular display, which is called Dark Matter, Bright Light, and it's uh, quite a minimal, very pared back selection of 10 major artists and major works, a selection of new acquisitions that we've just put on display that our fearless leader, Rana Devonport, has been working to acquire recently, and uh, as well as some major iconic photographs like the works by Gilbert and George and Joseph Albers as well. So, so the exhibition and the works span from 1970 to 2018. So that's, that's the sort of nearly a 50-year uh, time period. But I think I'll just talk through some of the different works and I guess some of the enduring themes and interests of the artist. But the title, Dark Matter, Bright Light, takes its name from this extraordinary work by the Danish-Icelandic artist Olafur Eliasson. Now, Olafur Eliasson is probably one of the best-known artists in the world right now, an extraordinary artist who runs a studio almost like a university in Berlin. He works with mathematicians, with engineers, with scientists, with climate scientists, and he also even has a TV channel as well, if you care to go online. He's constantly uploading some of his different experiments and the inner workings of, his, of the studio life, and he's very vocal about climate change as well. Many of you will have heard one of the works that really brought him to another level of attention was a work for the, the Tate Modern, one of the early works when the Tate Modern opened in 2000, uh, it opened in around 2000, and in 2003, Oliver Eliasson created a work called You Are the Weather, and it consisted of a mirrored hemisphere with projected light and fog. And what was quite amazing, and I remember traveling, I was living in Europe at the time, I, lived in, I was working in Venice, and traveling specifically to London to go and see this work, because it was such a phenomenological work, a sensorial work which was dealing with the senses, but also with atmosphere and illusion, the play of light, and actually almost changing the weather system within the Tate. And it was quite an amazing thing to go into. It was around sort of spring, early winter, and, you know, London is 
always quite grey and overcast, no matter what time of year you're there. And it was quite incredible because people just um, took total ownership of the space. Everyone lay down almost like an indoor picnic and the entire vast turbine hall was filled with people at any time of the day that you went to the Tate. And if you, if you positioned yourself at the right moment and sort of kicked your legs up, you could actually see your reflection at some point in, the, in this incredible, you know, what looked like a, a sort of either a setting sun. So that, that was what Oliver Learson has been very interested in is um, the agency of the viewer and also that moment of recognition of seeing ourselves seeing or seeing ourselves sensing. Uh, the work here really, I think, distills so many of his incredible experiments, his optical experiments, but also goes back in time to history of artists that have used lenses and prisms and mirrors to work on their perspective or to magnify something, whether that was from Vermeer, and he would often use double mirrors to create his incredibly detailed works, and a lot of the Dutch masters would use optical prisms, to M.C. Escher, very famous, you know, work with a um, convex mirror in which he is reflected and the, the rest of his studio, his universe is reflected in that uh, etching. But with this work here, um, I'm sure you've all sort of been circumnavigating it in a way and moving around it. And it is, you know, it's extraordinary as an optical apparatus, but also as a piece of engineering because there are 217 solid glass orbs mounted on this stainless steel apparatus. And one of the things that Oliver Eliasson talks about is that he likes revealing the way that something is made, or actually, you know, he doesn't want to have any secrets. He wants to sort of, you know, reveal everything. But it is amazing that this is still quite a confounding work of art because there's a moment, and I think a lot of you are probably in that sweet spot, which is right in the center, where it appears like a dark mass of, you know, solid black spheres. And then, of course, as you navigate it and move around the work, you can actually see that it, it you, you can see that it's transparent and that it reflects back to us 217 inverted reflections of ourselves and also of the structure itself. There's five different sizes of spheres on here, but the way that, and when you get all the way around here, one of my favorite things is always looking behind an artwork to see how it's made or see how it's attached. And this work also seems to sort of defy gravity while also negotiating ideas of gravity and dark matter and parallel universes. When you come around, and it almost looks like it's, you know, at a different point in a lunar cycle, but, but just over a bit of a quarter of each sphere has been hand-silvered and burnished to create that mirrored interior and then the back of it has been painted in a matte black paint, so not a reflective, but a matte black paint. And, uh, and so that means that, you know, as we move around, you're actually being reflected in the back as, it's, as the light is bouncing off it, creating these panoply of inverted images. It's quite an extraordinary work and the only one of its kind in Australia as well. And so I think the title, Oliver Learson said that he was interested in the 27% of matter in the universe, which some recent scientists have written about, 
thinking through the idea of parallel universes or perhaps a, a multiverse. And a lot of the artists in this exhibition are interested in either using or harnessing light or optical devices or the elements. And so what I love is when, when artists are really sort of attempt the impossible, sometimes, you know, quite dangerously so. And one of those is Hiroshi Sujimoto with that extraordinary work. It looks like a representation of a bolt of lightning, as if it was taken in the landscape, as if it's a photograph of lightning in the world. Many of you will know the extraordinary Japanese artist Hiroshi Sujimoto, very senior artist who has always been obsessed with Henry Fox Talbot, who invented the positive and negative photograph. And he's always been interested in the process of photography of capturing light. So he's done hundreds of seascapes, capturing air and light and sea over these sort of diffuse horizons all over the world. And also, you probably recognize some of his works where he has documented theaters and cinemas all over the world, as well as drive-ins, because he had a sort of, uh, he describes it as a hallucinatory moment where he wanted to see if he could capture with the camera an entire film in one frame. So um, often the images that you'll, you'll know of his work are these immaculate theaters where it's just a stark white box in the middle where the, where the screen is, and he's had a wide aperture and kept from the start of the movie until the end, he's, he's done the longest, like about a two hour exposure and then ended the exposure. And that is the entire film, you know, shot within one single frame. Those ideas of capturing light are also channeled within this one, but this is even more, I guess, dangerous in a way, because with, the, with um, Sujimoto's lightning field series, he actually wanted to harness the force of nature of lightning, of electricity, and not just a representation of it, but actually electricity itself. So after many quite, I think he said that there were three times that he, that he was in mortal danger because he experimented a lot with running 400,000 volts of electricity through, in, and you can actually, there's a wonderful little YouTube video that I would recommend because it shows all of his experiments in the studio where he has a large chemical bath with photosensitive paper in it and then he's channeling using a Van den Graaff generator 400,000 volts of electricity through and it sort of runs through and sort of fixes itself to photographic paper, which is totally extraordinary. So I think, you know, when, when I first saw his series, I think in the Sydney Biennale about 10 years ago, when you think it's, it's one thing and then you realize what it is, it's, uh, it's, it becomes something else altogether. So this idea of, you know, in a way, artists playing God, harnessing the power of, of nature and even attempting to, you know, to fix an electrical current to the page is, is quite an undertaking. So in a way, that's a camera photo, another artist who's in this display, who since the 1970s has been exploring both expanded cinema and also light and shadow and shadow play. And these are some of her early sort of proto-cinematic works. The artists were delighted that these are, have just come in um, literally about five days ago, is that right, Tansy? An extraordinary group of works that the gallery has acquired by the very senior Indian pioneering artist Nalini Malani. Nalini was experimenting with creating these cameraless photograms, so using 
cut out paper shapes and moving them around to create these sort of, you know, asymmetries, but very sort of rhythmic compositions, which also give you this sense of depth. Again, there's that total illusion. It's made without a camera, but you also get that sense of, of kinetics, of movement, and of depth of field in these works as well that are really just playing with exposure, with light and shadow. They're a beautiful series of work that were made in 1970 when she was based in Mumbai and she's now based between Mumbai and Amsterdam but she spent a lot of time in Paris and studied a lot of the structural cinema and is also quite political in her work but reflecting on the legacies of, of modernism as well. So there's a little bit of a nod to, to the Bauhaus and to investigations of the homage to the square which is up in the top corner there by, by Joseph Albers and that work was also made in 1970. But Nalini Malani only found the prints of these in 2017 and so has just reprinted those. So these haven't actually been seen for nearly 50 years. So quite wonderful, wonderful works to behold. But thinking about artists that are using the, the elements, and again, you know, the, I really love being able to look at the Sujimoto lightning fields and then to this beautiful Lindy Lee fire over heaven, which is hundreds of perforated holes made by fire, really with a, a soldering iron and controlling the power of fire to create these constellations. This was made in 2014, a few years before the extraordinary life of stars, the beacon, the, the polished orb on our front terrace in front of the, the, the gallery, which has about 80,000 concentric circles in it. As I was walking back into the gallery today, it was midday sun that was hitting right the top of the sculpture, and the light was pouring straight through the, the center of it and creating this constellation of pinpoints of light around it, which is also what's happening with, with this work here. And Lindy Lee has an amazing solo show on at the moment at the MCA in Sydney and had quite a breakthrough moment in her practice when she returned back to China to do a number of residencies and became a Buddhist scholar. So a lot of her works are created through a deep meditation, a harnessing of her own energy to create work, whether that's throwing molten bronze or, you know, creating these, these constellations. I quite like this work because we're looking at the back of it as if she's made the, the holes or the perforations through the other way. So it's sort of feels like what it might look like if you were inside the sculpture um, Life of Stars and um, you know some of those sort of perforations remind me of some of the Italian uh, artists, the Arte Povera artists who are also using the elements like Lucha Fontana and trying to sort of perforate these boundaries and these, these borders. Coming back to, I guess, thinking about symmetries and mirrors and gravitational forces and air, you know, there's a beautiful work by Michaela Dwyer that's just suspended there, almost just a, a sort of pocket of air, which is, in a way, balanced by the work in the center of the gallery, which is by a Polish-German artist, quite a young artist in her early 40s, called Alicia Kwade. She became quite well known or about a few years ago, 2017, when she showed the Venice Biennale, and she's always been very interested in exploring um, scientific conundrums and physics, but through visual art. And this, this work is called Be Hide Else, I guess, um, and it's a two-way mirror. On one side, there's granite stone, and on the other side is a hollow cast iron copy of a stone. 
So the, the granite stone actually weighs twice as much as, the, as its cast iron copy. And I sort of think about this as a, as a case of sort of false twins. As you rotate, you'll see that they seem sort of contingent or connected, and one always sort of gives way to the other, but you can never sort of see the whole work all at once. You are always either sort of disappearing or appearing or interrupting it. They, they appear as the same. They have similar forms, and they're also holding together that vertical sheet of mirror by this incredible sort of point of contact. It was very interesting to, to put this together, very, very, very delicate with our amazing installation team where you're trying to move rocks that are about, you know, 400 kilos of rocks to just completely just, you know, for those rocks to almost just kiss. So there's that sort of beautiful moment of, uh, of connection and reflection, but it's always quite elusive. I first saw her work in about uh, 2000 and... 13 in Germany in a converted brutalist chapel, which is about 40 meters long, and she was obsessed with Foucault and Foucault's pendulum. You know, Foucault's pendulum has a lead ball. It was a way to visualize the, the curve and the turning of the earth, and she wanted to reenact that through the center of this incredible uh, gallery and instead suspended a light bulb, and everything else is pitch black, and she'd put a microphone on the lead, and all you would hear is the this incredible sort of whooshing sound as the light bulb swung, um, mimicking Foucault's pendulum. So it was like listening to the sound of the earth turning. So she's, um, she's really an amazing artist. I think she's going to have a major installation coming up at the NGV in the NGV Triennial, which opens in a couple of weeks. So if you get a chance, when she creates her whole rooms, which are these labyrinthine structures, they're, they're really quite remarkable. So she works with engineers, with scientists, to create her work, like many of the artists in the display here. And of course, I just thought this was a wonderful way to bring out and look at one of the most important suites of photographs that we have in the collection by, the, by Gilbert and George. And I guess this is more of a lateral way of thinking about uh, doubling and alt alternate universes and alternative realities or other spaces of consciousness, but this work is called Dark Shadow Number no. 9. It was made in 1974. So there's three works that were made in the 70s here, Albers, Gilbert and George, and Nalini Milani's work. And, uh, and it's also based on the sort of the Rorschach psychological inkblot tests. So it too is sort of like a sort of asymmetry. You can see that the glasses and the bottom corners and top corners, you know, are mirror images of each other. And you can see this is made as part of their very famous drunken sculptures where, you know, they're, they're always dressed meticulously. Gilbert and George really, they studied together at St. Um, St. Martin's and early on became inseparable, their life became inseparable from their art and everything that they do is a performance and everything constitutes their artwork. And so, you know, this work made out of uh, one of their, their drunken sculptures. I sort of liked being able to see their own sort of microcosmic universe reflected in the bottom of a gin glass <laughs> in a way. But I guess also incredible photographers and so a nice, you know, looking at, at light and glass and metal and stone, how artists have harnessed the, the, the elements or defied nature, harnessed electricity, played with fire, um, suspended pockets of air, or using you know, the gravitational pull of the earth to create their, their works. So 
thank you. That's a little, a little tour of some of the works in the show. Thanks.